Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. So I'm going to go ahead and start with scripture. I've got two scriptures that I'm going to start with as my scripture text tonight. And the first one, if you're following along or taking notes, is 1 Peter 5 and 5 through 8. And the second one, if you're getting ready for that, James 4. It's going to be in James 4, verse 6. And um, there's two things that are really common about these scriptures, or, or one thing that's really common about these scriptures, but there's two things I want to talk to you about tonight. And uh, when I read them, I'm sure that you'll recognize them. And they just pop out of here. And it has a lot to do with what's kind of going on uh, right now with all of us because we're on a corporate fast. I don't know if anyone's participating, but um, it's an awesome thing to be able to come together as a body of Christ and start the new year off fasting and giving God our first fruits. And so we're in that time of fasting right now. And so this is relevant to, to what we're doing right now. So it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, God resists, which means opposes. It's the opposite of what God likes. He resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be diligent, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then James 4 says, God resists the proud, and but gives grace to the humble. So we see James speaking of the same thing. Exactly. He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And therefore, submit to God, resist, oppose the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep, which is repentance. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Some translation says, and he will exalt you. And I want to go ahead and pray before I get started, if y'all don't mind. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, for just your word. And I thank you for everyone that's here tonight, God, to receive it. I believe everyone that is supposed to be here is here. And, God, we just want to have open hearts to receive all that you have for us tonight, Lord. I know that you laid this word on my heart for a reason for someone or for all of us. And so, Father, I just pray that that your word, Lord, that as I speak it, that the anointing would come on me, Father, and I just thank you, Lord, that, God, your mercy and your grace, Lord, is is always free, and it's always there for us, and we just bless your name in this place tonight. Amen. So, as I was saying, we're in a time of corporate fasting, and um, there's there's uh, there's actually people all over the world doing this fast. It's not just us, but there's Christians all over the world doing this fast, but one thing that fasting does is humbles you. Because in order to fast, you've got to be able to humble yourself even to, you know, to fast. And so that's what I want to speak to you tonight about, is about humbling yourself before God, being humble. And as the scripture says, it said, you know, that God resists the proud, which is totally opposite of being humble to God. And God honors us coming to him 
you know, in it with an humble spirit. And um, I don't know about you, but um, God, every year, for some reason, God does this for me every year. He gives me like a word for the new year. And I believe like our word for the new year for the church as a corporate body, I think it's what transformation. He's been preaching about it and in this time of fasting. And, but the word that the Lord laid on my heart this year was the word intentional, and it just kept coming to my spirit and coming to my spirit, and I knew that 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 was my word for this year. It was like my tag word for this year, and I knew that, and and God confirmed it over and over from the first time I heard it, and then all of a sudden, people were just say it to me and say it to me, and I just knew. I said, okay, that's my word for this year, Lord, and I want to learn this year, Lord, to be intentional with all of my relationships, with, with with my husband, with my children, with my family, with my church family, And with my job, I want to be intentional. When I go to my job, I want you in that, God. I want you a part of everything that I do. And even, Lord, when I go to HEB or the store, let there be a purpose. Let there be an intent to praise, I mean, to, to let God, you know, be a part of my day and everything that I do. And so that's my word for this year is, is intentional because I want to understand every aspect of, 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 it, of this fast in every way, and I want every benefit from this fast this way. And by humbling ourselves, fasting and repenting is where it all begins. God can do things with our lives if we learn to do that first. And what a better time than, you know, right now in the beginning of this year. And uh, God doesn't require it. There's not a commandment in the Bible that says, you know, in the New Testament, you are commanded to fast. But we see it all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets of God. But he does say something to the apostles. He says, when you, when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast. He, so he says, when you fast. So it's an invitation to God from God's people. If you want to draw, draw closer to God, fasting is an awesome way to do it. It's not an easy way, but if you want to draw closer to God, it's an awesome way to get closer to God. And, oh, okay. A Dodge Durango, dark colored, has a buzzing sound parked at the south. So whoever has a a Dodge Durango, it's a dark colored Dodge Durango. I think it's parking, it's facing the street or something. So, all right. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. But fasting is a spiritual discipline that is a physical act. And that's what what I want to do with this fast this year. I want to be intentional in every way. I want God to change me. I don't want to start this year the same way I started last year. I don't want this, this year to be like it was last year for me at all. But I want God to do something in my life that is different than it's ever been before. And I need him to change me. Fasting doesn't change God, but it changes us because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change him, but it changes us. But it can change our circumstances too as well. I don't want to be the same me again this year. I want to see God in everything I do. I want to live an intentional life in everything that I do. And if we fast, it's like a spiritual-led, it's like a spirit-led examination of our heart. When you're fasting, when you humble yourself, when you repent, and you seek a God with the need that you have, whatever it is that God laid on your heart. Oh, I'm getting messages too. Well, there's all kinds of distractions <laughs> coming up. But uh, when you do that and you humble yourself, God begins to do like an internal work on you. And he'll begin to deal with you with, with things that maybe that you didn't even know were there you know, that he wants to change about you. And I know that I have a lot of those things myself that I desire God to change. 
But like I said, there's spirit-filled churches. There's churches all over the world doing fast right now, especially the Daniel's fast, because they want to give God their first fruits. And when we look at the lives of the people in the Bible who fasted and prayed, they often repented and they worshiped God, but it took them humbling themselves first to do either one of those things. And the word repent means in the Greek, it means to turn around. It means to change the way that you think. And so God, during the time of fasting, is a great time when you humble yourself to have that repentant heart and have God in order to change you, to change the way that you think. And there's some examples of people fasting that we see inside the Bible. We see Moses. Moses fasted for 40 days and 40 nights when he went up to the mountain. And through that time that he spent with God, he came down with the Ten Commandments and the laws of God for his people at that time. But, you know, his fast was with no food and no water. Thank God we're not doing that, right? Oh, Uh, especially no, can you imagine no food and no water, but he was in the presence of God. So his soul was being fed. And so he didn't need that. How awesome. And then we see Ezra in the book of Ezra. And Ezra was in, uh, at that time was in Babylon. I'm sorry, the Israelites were in Babylon at that time. And God was about to restore Jerusalem, the temple of Jerusalem at that time. And Ezra had Uh, uh, gathered people together that were wanting to go back to their land of Israel. And, And Ezra called for a corporate fast. So Ezra didn't just fast on his own, but Ezra called for everyone to come together and fast because this this trip that they were going to have to make back to their homeland of Israel, it was going to be a treacherous one. There was going to be thieves on the road, and, and they were carrying a lot of possessions and gold from those that couldn't make that journey, that everyone came together and put all their their costly goods together to go back to Jerusalem so to help rebuild the city. And so Ezra needed, and the people of God, the Israelites needed the protection of God. So he called for a corporate fast. And and, and the purpose was for the protection of God to be on them and for God to guide them the right way. And and Ezra even stated in uh, in, in, uh, chapter 8, verse 21, he says, we've asked that we may humble ourselves before God to seek from him the right way for us. And so they had humbled themselves and they had fasted and they sought God for direction. That's another thing that you can do when you're fasting. Whatever God lays on your heart for you when you need direction, but it all begins with humbling yourself. And then we see Esther in the book of Esther. And I love the story of Esther. And she call, they call for a fast, the kingdom, the, for the, all the Israelites of the, uh, in that time to fast for three whole days. And the reason being because she had to go and approach the king because her people's lives were at stake because they wanted them to be destroyed. And so here we see Esther and we see her uncle call for a fast for three days, another corporate fast, an example of a corporate fast right there in the Bible. And we see because they fasted, humbled themselves and prayed, we saw the hand of God on her. When she walked into the king, you know, he could have easily just cut her throat and just done away with her. He could have easily destroyed her because of the whole reasoning behind it. But she walked in and God gave her favor with the king. 
And it's because they humbled themselves and they prayed and they sought God and God released favor over her life. And then we see Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, he was also in Babylon at the time when Ezra was there. And we see that the kingdom was going to be restored. The temple was going to be restored in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah was heartbroken when he heard about the people that were there, that it says the land was desolate and the people were miserable. And we see Nehemiah being way over here in Babylon, his heart broken for his people and longing. And he was the cupbearer to the king at that time. It wasn't easy for him to get up and go and make that journey because he was the second man there protecting the king at that time of Babylon. But Nehemiah fasted and prayed, and the Bible said he repented. So he humbled himself, repented, and he fasted and prayed for his people and the Jews, and he found favor with the king. And he was the one appointed by God to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple walls of God again. And then we see Daniel mourning for the Jewish people again, another one mourning for his whole people. And on behalf of the people of his people, the Israelites, we see him too. It says the word of God says he repented on their behalf and he fasted and he prayed. And then we see it also in the New Testament all throughout. And I'm not even hitting everything, but we see in the book of Acts that it documents the apostles fasting to seek God's will when they were having to make decisions about their congregations. And then in Luke uh, chapter 2, it records about a righteous woman named Anna. And it says that she who served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And we see her fasting being an act of worship to God. And then we see another righteous person. Cornelius in the New Testament in the book of Acts and we see him and it says that he worshiped God with fasting and prayer and he humbled himself and it says that that's what opened the door between him and Peter at the time you see Cornelius was a Gentile and he didn't have access they believed at that time to, to, receive, to be a Christian and to receive the kingdom of God. So he and his family and his houses were the first ones to be filled with the spirit of God. And it all began because he loved God, but he fasted and he prayed. And God made that connection in the spirit. In the spirit, he gave Paul, uh, Peter a dream and he let him know that it's okay to go to his house. And God connected them in the spirit before he he connected them in the physical, but it all began with fasting and praying and humbling themselves. God does things when we fast the right way. God moves on our behalf behind the scenes. He says he goes before us and he's our rear guard everywhere that we go. But when we fast, it's just a deeper consecration with God. And if you have a need and you're fasting, uh, God will lift you up in due time. But when you surrender yourself and humble yourself in those moments, it's not unseen by God. He sees your heart and he knows your needs. And then we see in Matthew uh, as Jesus as at the baptism and that marked his transition in, into his ministry, into his public ministry. And his first actions were to be led up by the spirit, to be led 
to the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights to come in contact with the devil, Satan himself. And we see the devil tempting him. And it says that Jesus, our prime example, that he fasted all those 40 days. Because even Jesus, the Son of God, God manifested in the flesh, knew that he needed power to overcome the devil and, there's, and that he received that power from fasting. And so if Jesus can do it, then, you know, I, I think that he's our prime example that sometimes that, that, you know, that he desires us to do it as well. And so he fasted 40 days. Thank God we're not asked to fast 40 days. But if the Lord lays it on your heart, you can do it. I know I've met very, maybe two people in my life that have fasted 40 days. It's not very safe, (laughs) but they had awesome results with God. They were awesome men of God, and they were hungry for more of God. And the Jewish people, every year at Yom Kippur, the Jewish people, they fast for 25 hours in the day. And that's their new year. That's on the Jewish calendar. It's in September sometime every year. Uh, most of the time in September. And, and, and at that time, they take that time and they drink no water either. They, they fast food and they fast water. And at that time, their purpose in that time, it's the day of atonement for them. They repent and they ask God to cleanse them because they're starting that new year off right. And they want to be cleansed with a, and start with a fresh start. So even the Jewish people, you know, fast 25 hours on Yom, Yom Kippur. And there's Christians and religions all over that do it. And there's one that does it for 40 days. They, on every Friday, they, they fast from meats and only eat fish. And so, you know, there's so many people that do it. But I've learned this. If, if people find out about it, be careful because they might make fun of you. You might get a little jokes about it. But remember not to forget the purpose and the reason why you're doing it. Remember who you're doing it for and why you're doing it, despite whatever people say. Because if God laid it on your heart, then there's a reason why you're supposed to be doing it. And, and, and what is your fasting supposed to be about? What, what has God laid on your heart that he wants the reason? What are you intention, what's your intention about fasting? What, not so much about what do you need God uh, to, to do all the time, but just to for humble yourself and let God do a work inside of your heart. But you, there's times that you see, as, as the people of God in the Bible, how God makes a way where there's no way when people fast. And it took them doing that. And the one thing fasting does, it defeats pride. Because pride is the opposite of humility. And fasting defeats pride. And God honors that. It causes us to humble ourselves to God because we're setting our desires and our human cravings aside just to, cl- to draw closer to God. Uh, what fasting is, if you look up the definition, it's abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. So if you're not doing it for a spiritual reason, then basically you're dieting. If you're not praying, then basically you're dieting because that's where the power comes in fasting is when you get that time alone, when you get in the secret place with God, there's more purpose, there's more meaning when you're conversing with God and allowing him to work in your life when you're fasting. And many times pride, you can... 
see it in the lives of people. Pride oftentimes is what keeps a lot of people from God. And if a Christian is proud, and if a Christian is arrogant, uh, then they're deceived because pride is what casts Satan down from heaven. The first sin, the first sin in the Bible was pride. And we see it way before creation. And it was Satan himself. It says that Lucifer was in heaven and that he was a beautiful thing to look upon. He was over the music there. But he got so proud that he thought that he could take the place of God. And because of pride, we see an angel become the devil. We see an angel be cast down from heaven. And no one wants to talk about pride because it, it can be masked behind confidence. And confidence is good. Self-esteem, I, am all, I love to be around confident people and people with high self-esteem. We need that. But we can't be self-sufficient. We've got to be God-dependent. We can't just have this confidence in ourselves alone. The confidence has got to be in God. And then when you have confidence in God, that confidence, you're giving glory to God. But you've got to be humble at the same time because it's easy to become proud especially when you're good at something it's so easy to become proud and it's 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 not in ourselves it's not in our gifts it's not in our talents it's not within our own abilities but it's all because God did it gave it gave all of those things he gifted those things for us he's the one that gave us those abilities and so we see excuse me and so uh we see there's a story in the Bible, and, and, and it's about King Saul. And I don't know if y'all remember King Saul in the Old Testament, but he was the father of David. And, and I mean, sorry, not the father of David, but he was a rival of David. David uh, uh, preceded, um, was a king after him in the kingdom. And there was a lot of rivalry there. Uh, but if you look at the life of Saul, Saul started out very humble, and God, that's why I believe God picked him, because he started out with humility, and my first point tonight is humility to high-mindedness will destroy you, and if you look at the life of Saul, we see the Israelites begging the prophet Samuel for a king because they spent 450 years under the rule or under judges and they wanted to be like all of the other nations and they wanted to have their own king and and finally God just went ahead and he decided that okay I'll give y'all a king he wasn't wanting that for them because he knew what could happen but he decided to and the prophet Samuel we see the prophet Samuel and he um is the one that God chose to anoint Saul, king of Israel. And when he goes to look for Saul, because it said that Saul stood head and shoulders above all of the rest. So God recognized him. In stature, he stood. But in his heart, he stood low too. God saw his heart. And so when when the prophet Samuel went to go look for Saul, and to have him, to anoint him king of, uh, of Israel, 
You couldn't even find him. He was hiding. That's how humble he was. And Samuel called him forth, and he thought, it's not me because I, I, I don't come from the right lineage. I'm not from the right tribe because he wasn't from where he thought that he was. His, he was humble in the sight of God. And so he questioned that, and he called him forth. And Saul went ahead and anointed him the king of Israel. Because God had told him to do that. And Saul began good. Saul began humble. And God exalted him. But in time, he became proud and disobedient to God. And tragically, we see his life in this way also. But I heard something really awesome that I'd never heard before this past week or a couple of weeks ago. And a man of God was preaching about us. says, I've got to share that. When you look at the life of Saul... Saul was born on a place called Mount Mizpah. And if you look up the word Mizpah, the word Mizpah means low, to bend or lie low, mountain of humbleness. And that was the mountain that Saul was born on when he started his life. But tragically, at the end of his life, when he dies, we see that he dies on a mountain called Gilboa. And to Gilboa meant to be exalted. It meant like a mountain of pride. And he had died there along with his armor bearer and three of his sons. But pride had cost him his family and his life. And Samuel says to God, I mean, Samuel says to Saul in the scripture earlier on, he says before he, right when he was becoming very proud and he told him, he said, Saul, when you were little in your own eyes, wasn't that when God exalted you? Wasn't that when God made you head over the tribes of Israel? Did not the Lord King anoint you king over Israel when you were small in your own eyes, Saul? You, when you were humble. So pride comes before the fall, the word of God says. And if we're not careful, we can have pride and we can't recognize it sometimes as well, just like Saul. And there's times that all of us have dealt with things. I know me personally, there has been times where I didn't even recognize it in myself. And Isaiah 57 says, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and I revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. Humbleness and repentance is important to God. And something funny happened the other day. We were at Joshua's basketball game, and it reminded me of another story. But I kind of saw this, and I said, oh, my gosh. Joshua was there at basketball practice, and the coach had them doing some exercises. And, and uh, the... So they were the little boy in front of him was supposed to be on defense and be guarding him. And, and Joshua is supposed to be trying to get around him. And the little boy is supposed to, uh, yeah, he was trying to get around him because he's on defense. So here you are seeing Joshua is just bouncing the ball, going between his legs, going between his back, going between his legs again, going between his back. I mean, showing off. He was so confident. And then that boy just kind of saw that boy's face just kind of like go like this and look at him like, like that, and he's like, boom, got the ball and took off. And I was like, 
And I thought, oh my gosh, I got to talk to Joshua. I kept telling Caleb, I've got to talk to Joshua. It's not about him. It's all, it's about the, you know, the team. And when he gets that ball, he wants to just do it all himself. And so, but it reminded me of something funny too. My husband will remember this because I guess I, he maybe got that from me. And uh, this is just a little bit of thing of pride. There's a lot worse things, let me tell you. But, but when I was in college, well, I played softball from the time I was, I mean, from young till, till I graduated high school. We went state, we went to nationals. And when I went to college, we, I played uh, softball uh, with my dormitory. And my husband was going to go and see me for the first time. And I, I was so excited about it because I was so confident, like, in myself. Like, I thought, oh, man, I'm so good. <laughs> and, and that was the only thing I was confident in and the only thing I was good at. And so, anyways, he comes to the game. And I used to love to get in hot boxes between third and, and home. You know what I mean? Anybody that plays softball or baseball. I used to love to just get myself in those. And so I got myself in a hot box. And they threw it to third base. And the ball went flying past the third baseman. And so I was like, this is my chance. And I took off running. And I went to go. And I didn't have to slide, but I wanted to slide because I was showing off. And so... I go, and I go to slide, and I go, dun, 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 and I'm like going all, and I fell, and I, I don't know what happened, I don't know what it was that I did, but I got all twisted up in my legs, and I was like trying to get the home plate, and I, I got out. I ended up getting out, and he never lets me live that down, <laughs> but I thought I was so confident in it, and I thought, and when I was thinking about that, I thought, oh, wow, that scripture is right. Pride comes before the fall. <laughs> Literally, pride comes before the fall. And I heard someone say one time, if you don't humble yourself, God will humble you. And I don't want God to humble me. So we've got to learn to stay humble. And the second thing that I want to talk to you about or share with you is high-mindedness to humility will lift you up. Opposite of what I said for the first point. The first point was humility to high-mindedness will destroy you. And this one is high-mindedness to humility will lift you up, or like the scripture says, will exalt you. And in the New Testament, this is so cool, we see what seems to be the complete opposite of King Saul in the life of Paul, who was also first called Saul. That rhymed. (laughs) And Paul had every reason to be prideful because of the lineage that he had and because of his upbringing and because of the knowledge that he had in the word of God. And he sat, it says, at the feet of Gamil, which was this great, notable teacher that everyone knew. And he was what they say was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a murderer. He killed the Christians and he believed that he was doing God a favor. So we see this proud and of every good reason to be proud. It, uh, high-minded Paul, I mean Saul, we see him because he's still called Saul. In the beginning, he's called Saul. And we see him doing these things. But when he had a Damascus Road experience, it changed him. It flipped his world upside down. And he became one of the greatest, my favorite, apostles in, the, in all of the book of the Bible. He became my favorite apostle and wrote more epistles than anybody else. But the cool thing is this. I looked up what the name 
Paul meant. Because in the book of Acts, we see him first being called Saul. And then we see his conversion. And then a little bit later down in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20, we see them starting to call him Paul. You know, he had a name change. Where did that happen? There's no explanation in there. But I looked up the word Paul, and the meaning of the name, the name Paul is small and humble. And I believe he knew what was happening because it was Paul that said that we are a new creation. It was Paul that said, old things when we come to God have passed away and all things have become new. I believe it was intentional that his name from Saul, went from Saul and became Paul because we see him become one of the most humble men, a murderer of Christians, a prideful man, a man that was high-minded, and then we see him come to this place of humility and God raised and lifted him up and exalted him. There's, God will do great things in humbleness. And as we're on this fast, Ask God for a heart change. That's what I'm doing for myself. It's a time to humble ourselves. It's a time to repent. Does anyone ever talk about repentance anymore? Repentance is the first step to God. When you give your heart to God, the first step is repentance. Because you want to surrender your life to God. You don't want to live it for yourself anymore. And you want to change. Jesus changes you. Jesus, does, Jesus doesn't keep you the same. When you repent, you're telling him, God, I want more of you. And, and I want to change my life. I, I don't want to be this way anymore. Sorry, y'all. I had a long day at work and I am tired. Oh, my words are twisting. But the word of God says this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 14. If my people who are called by my name, and a lot of you know this scripture, will humble themselves, pray. That's another one. Seek my face. Turn from their ways. That's repentance. Then I will hear from heaven and heal your land. But it begins at being humble. It begins at repentance. It begins with praying, and it begins, if you want to see God really move mountains, it begins with fasting. And I'm so glad that we're doing this fast because I'm already seeing God do things throughout this fast. How many of you saw, I know my husband posted it on Facebook, but in that, I I don't think it's ironic. I don't think it's coincidence that the air-conditioned man ran into our front entrance and, and that yesterday was the day that was already planned to go build the new fence, uh, the new gate to drive on our new front entrance at our new building. I don't think it was coincidence that we had to tear down this entrance yesterday. And at the same time, we were building the gate at the new property. It's not a coincidence. God is in this thing. God's mighty hand is on this church, and I'm so thankful. But we've got to remember, no matter how big we ever get, and it doesn't matter about size, but size means souls. So that, to me, that means something. That means souls. But that we never, ever be proud. 
that we never get so proud. And even it's great to even say, I'm proud of my church. That's great. But we can never get so proud that we think we're the only ones. There's so many awesome churches, even in this city. And, and the word of God says, if they preach Jesus and him crucified, then I'm for them. So we can never get to that place. We always have to learn to stay in a posture of humility, no matter what God does in this city with us. And I'm so thankful that God is working in all of our lives. I see it. I hear reports, and I know that God is working in a lot of y'all's lives. But we're always a wor- and we're always a work in progress, right? But I see God just moving and doing things. And so I'm just so thankful for that. And I want to close with this. Being humble isn't about bringing yourself down as much as it's about lifting Jesus up. That's what it's all about. It's about lifting Jesus up. But it takes us being humble, breaking our own spirit. And in this time of fast, since we're fasting, fasting, and God says, in due season, I will exalt you. And when I was praying about this service, I really felt that God wanted to do something way different than we ever do. But I felt such a repentant spirit come over me. And I felt like the Lord told me that as a corporate body, while we're here together here tonight, that we need to take a time of doing that together. And I felt like he wants us to begin this new year off corporately repenting together. Not me praying for you, but everyone praying for themselves. And as as Haley sings, I I, want to, the altars are going to be open. You can stay in your seat. You can sit in your chair. You can kneel down in your chair. But can we just take a few minutes to just have that moment with God? had that moment of repentance. You know, we never can get so good that we never have to repent. I mean, we're never going to be that good that we don't have to repent. It's a lifestyle. When we first come to God, that's the first step is repentance, right? Baptism. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. There's, There's a process, but it all begins with repentance. And so I really felt that the Lord wanted us to take just a few minutes on this Wednesday night while we're still doing the fast to just spend that time with him and repent and ask him for forgiveness. And if there's anything you're holding in your heart, this is the time. You know, pride, one thing pride does too, it causes you not to forgive someone, forgive someone that's hurt you, something you might be holding in your heart. That's a time to let it go, repentance to God. And let God take all of care of all of that. It releases you. You're free. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria.